Hey there, welcome to season two of the Changemaker Compass podcast, a podcast series hosted through UNA USA, a movement of Americans standing up for the United Nations. I'm your host, Dustin Liu, and this season is all about celebrating the changemakers I have had the honor connecting with this past year. Join me as we hear from these inspiring individuals who are working to build a better world. Today we'll be speaking with the Institute of Civic Organizing, but first, let's start with some introductions. Hi, my name is Hannah. I am a student at Stanford University. Um, I am New York's youngest elected official, and I am also the founder and director of the Institute for Civic Organizing. Hello, my name is Julia, and I am the brand director and communications director of TICO. I am Elliot. I am a junior at Dartmouth College, and I am the programs director at TICO. Well, thank you folks so much for coming on to the podcast. We're so excited to hear a little bit more about Tico. Um, I'd love to start with, you know, maybe Hannah, if, if you could just jump in and maybe share a little bit about what Tico is. So uh, again, for those of you tuning in, my name is Hannah and I am Tico's founder and director. Um, and Tico is a think tank. Uh, it's youth driven uh, that aims to solve issues rather than just within policy within political participation, civic engagement, and democracy itself. TICO came out of my five years, I think, as I would say, an official youth activist. Um, and I had the idea for TICO and I wrote it down on the back of a menu while I was waiting for a bus in Virginia to take me home to New York. And I didn't have any paper. I just had this menu I'd ordered takeout from the night before. So I started scribbling down ideas um, based around civic organizing, uh, which is sort of the guiding theory of our organization that we'll discuss probably in depth on this podcast. Elliot, I'm wondering if you can just share with our listeners, what is civic organizing? Civic organizing is essentially perpetually engaged in innovative interactions with government. And so we don't see it as a one-time you know, event, but rather um, an elongated process. And so it's a continual um, working with your local government, or really any aspect of government, but we at TICO tend to emphasize local government um, and it's continual. So you don't stop here or there, but it's almost like this habit that you integrate into your life. Julie, I'm wondering if you can share, why is civic organizing so important and why is it important that young people are civically engaged? When we are in an age of COVID, of a, of a pandemic, we are in an age of mass social movements and yet there seems to be so much disarray and Civic organizing is exactly what it sounds like. It's organizing, it's finding that community and realizing that there is a solution to all of the problems that, that currently we all face as, as a globe, as a nation, as a local community. As we said before, we focus on local communities and yeah, uh, civic organizing is important and we need to get involved. Hannah, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about what the model of change is around TICO. I know that you've shared that it's a think tank. What does that mean? And, and what, what, what goes on in the organization? How do you get young people involved? What differentiates us from other groups is that we, while we're youth-led and we're youth-driven, we are not a youth group. Um, our goal doesn't start and end with getting young people engaged. Our goals are to change government interactions between people and people can be interpreted as you know any age, sex, race, whatever. We just wanna make sure that people and governments are able to effectively interact. 
And I'm really happy that we have a team of young people that are passionate about this issue, that are interested in reaching out to people of all different ages, and they want to come together. So we have, we bring a youthful energy to a problem that affects everyone in our society, particularly people that are more marginalized and distanced from government. Elliot, I'm going to invite you back in to share a little bit about, you know, what, what this future can look like. I'm curious if you can share any solutions that you've thought of or, or any, any bright spots that, that you'd like to share around the work that Tico has been leading. Sure. So I think one important thing that we did last summer is we held a conference called SnapCon, um, which essentially was looking at activism post-pandemic. I mean, hopefully we one day enter an age of this post-pandemic, but, you know, assuming that happens, that's what we were looking at. Um, and essentially what we were working to do through that event, and it kind of speaks to the programs that we have, was to bring together a group of passionate young people who could hear directly from other youth organizers and speakers. Um, and in doing this, what we wanted to essentially show was that civic organizing is not some, you know, uh, concept that's far away or hard to reach, but it's what people are actively engaging in right now. And what was inter interesting about all the people who spoke was each of them had their own independent lives and civic organizing organizing wasn't necessarily a different part of that, but, but was ingrained into it. So for example, one of the person, people that we spoke to was a student. She was the first um, black woman to be elected as the president of her college. And for her, being a president of her college and engaging in civic organizing were not two separate roles that she, um, were, that she enacted. Those were the same role almost. And so the first thing she did when she um, was elected was she helped to reform her college's uh, relationship with the local police department following um, the police brutality that we've seen in 2020. Um, and so I think going forward, what Tigo hopes to achieve and young people and really all people who wanna be part of the movement is a lifestyle where civic organizing is just ingrained in part of that lifestyle. It's just second nature almost. Thanks so much for that really beautiful explanation of how civic organizing should be a way of being. And it isn't really, you know, one-to-one -one event. It really is this lifestyle around being engaged in local politics, being aware of local issues and finding ways in which one can be part of that social change movement. And I'm curious, you know, taking a step back from Tico, um, Julia, we'll start with you, but, I, but I'm hoping we can also hear from Hannah and Elliot. Uh, what was your civic organizing moment. I'm curious if you can zoom in on the moment when civic organizing became a, a real passion of yours or a moment that you lean back on as you do this work. I suppose civic organizing is, is one of those things that, that is, has always been in my life, but I have never really recognized it as something as, as big and as a part of my life as it actually has been. However, it seemed to really hi highlight itself when I, I know this is gonna be really cliche, but when I applied for Tico, I started to, I, I got tasked with making a lesson plan for a textbook that we're working on. It was the curriculum for what we wanted to do and what we wanted to teach. And it was all on community outreach and how to, how to get volunteers and manage them. And so I did an entire lesson plan on that. It was very long, it was very extensive. But as I was doing that lesson plan, I started to notice how every part of my life really touched on, touched on civic organizing. For example, in that lesson plan, I highlighted Mrs. America, which is just a show on Hulu that I was watching quite, quite awfully. Like I binged that show a lot, it's an amazing show. But in the lesson plan, I was using that show as an example of what we were teaching on how to manage volunteers, how to, how to get volunteers. 
and how to how to move and gain followers in a movement like this is something that is in your everyday life and you don't even realize it until you start to sit down and really reflect on what you've done throughout the day what you've been doing throughout the week and realize that community organizing civic organizing is is an everyday task i guess the day that i kind of began to put together what civic organizing was um, was after the election, so not to discuss the partisan aspects of it, but I had this teacher, Miss Fisher, she was our Ivy history teacher, she's very passionate, um, and the next day she came to school, and she saw that, like, obviously tensions were high and emotions were high, and she just simply said to a lot of the students who she found in the hallway that she would never stop fighting for us, and at that moment, I began to see that, you know, every occupation in America doesn't have to be divorced from politics, so if you're a teacher, doesn't mean you have to stay in your lane as being a teacher and you can't get involved in other aspects of political life. And so I think at that moment, I began to see that um, every occupation should have a political voice because every occupation at the end of the day is political. Like if you're a teacher, what the government does has real world outcomes on your life in the classroom, your life outside the classroom. And so staying civic or being civically engaged is just kind of another hat they have to put on when you enter the workforce. Well, I got engaged at a very young age. I was 15 when I first started getting engaged. And, you know, I got sort of engaged with, you know, the Bernie Sanders world. And, you know, that's a part of my life. But I think the story I would rather tell here is, you know, what brought me back in to politics. Um, just because I had spent basically my entire adolescence in the spotlight for my work as a youth activist, which had a lot of benefits and opened a lot of doors, but also had a lot of consequences for my mental health and my development in the sense that, you know, when I went to college, you know, a quarter of the people on campus already knew who I was. And, you know, I didn't get to do sort of as much as the growth and exploration that I wanted to do. So after my sophomore year of Stanford, I took time off because I was like, I feel like I'm trapped in a career that I don't really want. And for a while, I just distanced myself from politics. And I, you know, didn't want anything to do with it. And I was, you know, thinking about doing more like humanitarian work or actually doing, I wanted to be a polar lawyer for a period of time. Um, but I, I remember as I was coming back home and connecting with my family, that the reason why I got involved in the first place was because I saw something that felt unfair. And what what makes the career, how you want to spend it. I knew from the time I got involved with Bernie Sanders when I was 15, that that's what I wanted to do was make things better and to change things. And that was how I wanted to spend that part of my life. And I'm really happy that I found that at a young age because it means I can do it for longer. <laughs> and the work is truly satisfying. And even when I was away from it and trying out other things, I just came back because that's where my heart is and that's what I want to be doing. I really appreciate how in all of your stories, you talked about how uh, civic organizing became part of your DNA. It became so inseparable to the ways in which you see your professions, the way you move through the world. And, and I'm curious, what are the challenges or the barriers that are in place that prevent young people from being civically engaged? What barriers or what challenges is Tika really trying to dismantle? So as I mentioned earlier, we're working on a curriculum and a textbook. 
on civic organizing, on being politically involved. And I think that that's the number one most exciting thing that Tico is doing at the moment, because I am a firm believer that education is the ultimate, the ultimate provider of, of progress and success for any nation, for any community. And I really do think my, my mom's a special education teacher and I, 100% just I appreciate educators and what they do daily like Elliot you're talking about this teacher and how how she you know she couldn't separate being civically involved and and being a teacher I think that as a teacher there is no separation there has never been it is it has always been political it has always been a social uh job and what Tico is doing is just highlighting that and celebrating that by creating a curriculum and creating a textbook that, that says it's okay. Not only it's okay, but let's do it. Let's show these kids how to get a protest from it. Let's show these kids how to gain volunteers and show these kids how to, how to really get involved and gain followers and, and really commune together. I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Definitely. And this sort of ties back into sort of who we are as an organization and, you know, who we are as a think tank and what differentiates us from campaigns, which is that we're not a campaign for something. And once we achieve that thing, you know, the campaign is over. The work of civic organizing, as Elliot mentioned in his definition in the beginning, is constant. We will always be changing our relationship with government. We will always be changing our relationship with policy. We'll always be changing our relationship with the regulations that govern us because the arc, the arc of history bends towards progress. So as we make progress, these our you know, government and our societal rules will continue to be changing. And this ties into sort of what started Tico, which is that you, you wouldn't allow a business to continue to function the same way it does year after year after year. So why is it that in the almost 250 years, since we've been that we've been a nation that our government looks almost exactly the same why don't we have a tech bureau like they do in europe when we have all of these issues with big tech why don't we keep evolving it just stunts us i think that like as hannah pointed out people don't generally put you know innovation and government together and that partially is because you know the way our government is made up is like to favor incrementalism so there's like a massive bureaucracy, even once legislation is passed, it's hard to force agencies to actually enforce those rules. And so we look at all these like sweeping issues that are facing our world today, and we have a government that again favors incrementalism. So how could it ever begin to solve or to enact the sweeping changes that we need? Um, and I think that's like, can really really be detrimental to young people. And I kind of think so it forces a lot, of, a lot of us to just like go onto social media and voice our opinions. Um, because we think that's the only avenue that we can do it and it's the best way to have an impact. Uh, but again, while like many retweets or, you know, likes on your post is feels good, it doesn't necessarily inspire someone to take action. And so I think what Tico is trying to do is to like give people the tools, not only to understand how government works and how to work through that bureaucracy, but also to understand um, essentially like how you can begin to innovate certain aspects of it. And I think that our form of change or our change model really is sometimes a bottom-up approach. So it begins with local government where there are you know, the least amount of restrictive rules and things like that. Um, so I think that like what Tico hopes to vision is really you know, to create a government that isn't just bent on incrementalism, but that shows young people how to, you know, 
have that sweeping changes, those sweeping changes take place. And tying back into what Julia said, we believe that, you know, we started Tico as like education management, and now we're sort of moving into other realms. But, you know, we believe that the heart of this work is education, is an education, just making sure people know the power that they have. And, you know, as we do more like structural work sort of on, you know, the institutional innovation side, we also do that work on the people side where it's like, you know, this is what you're capable of and this is what you can do. And that's sort of the curriculum that started Tico off. The reason I moved back from Arctic Norway, true story, um, and, you know, got going. Curious if we can take a moment for some radical imagination. What would it look like? If Tico achieved its mission, what would it look like if you realized a society where, you know, nearly everyone was civically engaged? I'm curious if you folks can sort of describe what that world would look like and or what would be happening in that world? 100% voter turnout in 18 year olds and all everyone, 100% voter turnout, not because you're forced to, but because you want to, because you recognize it's important. Oh, yeah, I would say like also to build off Julia's point, um, not just voter turnout either, but, you know, like an interest in politics that extends beyond um, when it comes time to vote. So, you know, people that like meet with other community leaders in their towns to talk about like the simplest problems with government, like trash pickup or recycling to the more complex issues that might be faced them, like how is our town going to respond to a pandemic, you know? So I think that's like kind of what we're aiming for, essentially people who are organized in like a breadth of ways. So from the smallest ways in their town um, to the biggest ways um, uh, that like certain problems are affecting them. Yeah, I, I would say that reducing the inequality that exists in our system in large part has to do with people's access to governmental power. And, you know, sort of my ideal society is one where we can reduce inequality on that front by, you know, keeping, you know, by allowing government to be not sort of extending in concentric circles where you start, you know, with government being most connected to, you know, the wealthy, but, you know, government is just as accountable to every single group. And, you know, they know how to fully use that accountability. So it works on both sides. And that is sort of what I see as, you know, my dream society to come out of this, particularly reducing vulnerability for the most marginalized communities. I know that Tico doesn't focus directly on young people, but I'm curious, why should young people be engaged? I know we've talked a little bit about what civic organizing is and what civic engagement looks like, but, but why should young people be engaged? So what I would say why young people should get involved is it's really unfortunate that the nature of our society has made it that young people feel so alone and individualized even within sort of, you know, young people getting involved, sort of the culture surrounds so much me, 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 and sort of being in charge and sort of, you know, having, you know, the power and the authority. And because in so many ways, we as a society, and I'm speaking more, you know, to the United States here, we've convinced ourselves that if you're not that workaholic at the top, who is, you know, managing people and working 20 hours a day and in the news, then you're somehow less valuable than someone who isn't. And the work of civic organizing is all collaborative. And the work of civic organizing doesn't focus on, you know, being a star or something like that. It focuses on the work. So I think young people should get involved because it teaches them about, you know, how to do the work 
and they should get involved in causes where, you know, it isn't sexy. You know, I got my start on a campaign, which is cool because it's like a carnival. There are lights everywhere. But, you know, the more time you spend getting that work done, the more valuable it becomes. And, you know, I've enjoyed my experiences out of the spotlight, oftentimes more than the ones in them. But one of the work, some of the work of Tico, and, you know, as we continue to work with governments, this will change. But, you know, putting less emphasis on that spotlight on the other hand as well. So, you know, it encourages kids to do that really necessary work. Yeah, I think that, like, they already are to a large extent. People just don't realize it. So, I mean, like, going to college and setting up tutoring groups with your friends or so you can show that your friends don't find, fall behind in class. I mean, at Dartmouth, there's, like, this thing called the Dartmouth Political Union that is um, raising money so other students can, like, afford groceries and their rent. And they've raised, like, $20,000, um, like, I think in the last quarter. And so I think that like a lot of the ways that we support each other, our friends, our family, especially during this pandemic is a part of civic organizing. Civic organizing is obviously community orientated. And so the people that you're reaching out to and working with now are all part of your community. And so I think that you just have to, you know, one, recognize that what you're doing is already civic organizing because you are engaging with your community and ensuring that people don't fall behind. But then I think it also goes a step further where you begin to realize that like, the issues that we're facing, we're like staring down the barrel of climate change, for example. Um, we are, I guess that's the biggest thing that we could reference, at least from my perspective. But I mean, like, I think a lot about how the people who are making decisions right now, and this is kind of like humorous, but they're all will be dead by the time that things go bad. So like people who are introducing climate legislation, they're passionate about it. Like a lot of them are 70 years old. By the time 2050 comes, they will long be gone and they won't have to worry about it. Uh, so I think the issues that are facing us today, they're like long-standing issues that will culminate when we are adults and when we begin to have children. And so if we want to leave a, like a better society to our kids, we have to start doing the work now. I can't wait till we're adults. You know, as we as we push up on time, I'm, I'm curious if we can end on a note of hope. I, mean, I want to hear from each of you about a piece of advice you'd have for young people who are hoping to be civically engaged, who are hoping to get involved in local politics, are hoping to be a force for social change. What's one piece of advice that you found really helpful in your own changemaker journeys? I have two pieces of advice. The first is civic organizing begins with listening. Listen to those around you listen to what their problems that they're facing and listen to the solutions that they're offering. The better listener you are, the better leader you are and the better civic organizer you are. The second, anyone who doesn't make you feel welcome in their political organizing or democratic space is not someone you wanna work with and that is not a space you wanna be a part of. We have too many toxic political spaces out there. I suffer from imposter syndrome so much as I'm sitting here and recording this podcast I'm like wow these people I'm speaking to are amazing and am I even really valuable here and I try to remind myself constantly and I want to remind everyone who is listening and who is interested in being civically involved that you are worthy of the spaces that you are in and avoid falling into imposter syndrome because Really, it's only hurting not only yourself, like Hannah said, listen, listen not only to the community around you, but listen to yourself as well. 
if you have a passion for something, then just go for it and, and do something like incite the change that you want to see, because really, <laughs> who else is going to do it if you're not? Yeah, so I guess going off of that, what I would just say is like, um, I agree with a lot of what both Hannah and Julia have said. But some advice I think I would give like kind of a more po- like a positive note as well. Be number one, like the change that you make doesn't have to be grand. Like, for example, I know a lot of us talk about this right now. Um, but we're in the midst of, middle of a pandemic, like getting up and going to class every day, living, these are all transformative actions that you're doing. Because this is like, if we were to tell our kids one day that we went to school through a pandemic, they'll probably romanticize it and be like, oh yeah, Zoom, no school, this is great. But we're also really living through a life-changing moment. We're living through history. And every day just surviving already is a radical act in and of itself. And so number one, give yourself those small victories every day. The fact that you're doing what you're doing amidst this massive overhaul of our entire system is a big deal. Um, and then I think the other thing I would say is like, there's like that theory, like floating duck syndrome or whatever. Like everyone looks calm on the wrist, but they're paddling fast underneath. I don't really think anyone knows what they're doing at the end of the day. Everyone's just crying, trying to do the best that they can. And that's kind of what you just got to do. Try to do the best you can. And if it goes and leads to something great, that's great. And if it doesn't, maybe that time it won't, but you should just try again because, you know, literally no one really is an expert in their field yet. Everyone is still learning. And so you could be one of those people that one day becomes that expert because everyone at one point started at just like nervous little duck. (laughs) And as we close that, I'm wondering if you folks can let our listeners know how they can be involved in Tico. I would say that you should follow all, Tico on all platforms, social media at Tico.org, uh, Instagram and Twitter, and come to all of our events. <laughs> we'll, we'll post about them, show up. We look forward to having you. Just reach out to us. You can email us, you can DM us, you can tag us and stuff. Um, anything that you are interested in, anything that you might want Tico to do, any projects you're proposing. We love working with new people, new groups, and we are always we're committed to finding a way for sort of anyone who wants to be involved in civic organizing to have a way to do so in any capacity, small or large. Thanks for listening to this episode of Changemaker Compass. If you'd like to learn more about UNA USA, find us at unausa.org.